What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? And we're rolling. And here we are. So it the countdown begins. To next week. Uh-huh. How do you feel? I'm like, can't, because I have PTSD from last time, so I like can't actually have any kind of faith that it'll work mm-hmm. out. Um, whereas last time I was just like so confident, so confident. Right. Um, and now my like brain and body won't allow me to experience that again because I know. Prediction failure. <laughs> yes. Something very, very bad happened and it could happen again. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I will say it's very encouraging to see how many people are voting it early. I did t- today after our interview, I voted, which was great. Fierce. I basically marched myself into that line. I felt very um, patriotic or something, or I was doing a civic, civic I really duty. Love, civic duties. I felt patriotic or something. Um, uh, how long did you wait in line? About 30, 35 wow, minutes. that is it was short. Erin Markey was in line at Brooklyn Museum for two and a half hours. I went at uh, uh, the right time on the right day. And I actually think like my neighborhood um, does not have a huge residential population. That's true. That's true. So, honey. But I went on a, what is today? Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah. I went on a, a, a Wednesday around like 2.30 in the afternoon. So, you know, people were working or something. Wow. Wow. Someone came came around with pepperoni pizza. The, well, someone so came around with like pepperoni some... pizza while you were voting? Absolutely. Standing in line. They gave me a pepperoni pizza piece and then I spilled pepperoni pizza grease all over my tote bag. <laughs> um, that's so wild. And you ate it while waiting in line. I sure did. I sure did. Um. I wonder where our beautiful uh, St. Barton Cowperthwaite was located for polling stations. I don't know. We'll have we'll have to ask. Um, and uh, and she went down the ticket. Blue, 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 blue. And, I did, uh, I did, but I did see on someone's Instagram they were encouraging people to vote along the working families line, which has all the same candidates, but it it reinforces their party somehow. But I didn't do that because right. it made me nervous. I mean, it's a nervous time, honey. Yeah. It's a nervous time. I just was like, I need to do like what I really know. I, I'm, I'm not doing anything that could potentially be a mistake. I'm not doing that. I get it. I and really get it. Look, this past week has been, I've been a bit of a klutz. I've had strange days of, you know, dropping things and forgetting things. The other morning I woke up and I was planning to have... Uh, a nice rooftop rendezvous with Garen and James. So I said, I'm going to make a cake from Claire Saffitt's book, which I did. But the getting to making the cake was the biggest comedy of errors that morning. Cause I was like, all I need to do is get to Trader Joe's and get like orange juice and poppy seeds. And I'm ready to make this cake. When I got to Trader Joe's, I didn't have my wallet, but I'd already put all the groceries in the thing. So I had to put all the groceries back. And then I went home and I thought, I'm not making a cake. That was too crazy. But then I thought, yes, Reed, you can make a cake. I leave my house again. And then I get walk a block. I don't have a mask on. I go back home. 
I get put a mask on, I leave. I go to three different grocery stores in search of poppy seeds and then end up back at Trader Joe's. I do all the shopping, I get home. When I get home, I realize that I have a mask on and I had a second mask on that I had pulled below my chin. So this huge grocery store circle I had just done, I'd done with two masks on, which is crazy. And you just didn't even know. Didn't know. Literally two masks. Fugue state realness, honey. Yeah. So that a was real, quite a like a real, you know, look both ways before you cross the street. Big time. But let me tell you what, that cake was exceptional. Oh yeah. I was so delicious and more if there I've never had a bunt cake so good. Wow. And and when James texted me the photo of the three of you um while I was taking a bath and um uh, it was, it looked like you all had a sweet time. It was so nice to see them and just put on blankets and sit on a roof and catch up. It'd been a long time. I mean, beauty queens, beauty queens. Um, I saw an incredible show that I want to say to our listeners, check it out. It's still streaming. It's called Circle Jerk. Um, you can find it at, I believe... Circle Jerk uh, Live is what you would Google um, by Michael Breslin and Patrick Foley uh, with the incredible Kat Rodriguez who blew me away. Um, I uh, don't want to give too much away about this show. It is one of absolutely, I I just give it all the awards for 2020. Um, Is it, it uh, do you have to pay for it? Uh, yeah, but it's sliding scale. So it's, it's like what you can, you know, I think it starts at like five bucks. Oh, wow. Um, it's circle jerk dot live backslash, but you can go to circle jerk live on Instagram and find out and go and watch it. I, um, I will be doing, let's see, this comes out on Friday on Halloween. I will be doing a talk with the creators of the show around the making of the show and some of the process. Jeremy O'Harris uh, was involved in producing and, and I've, I've known Michael Breslin for a while and Patrick. Um, and, but Kat Rodriguez, Reed, when you see this show, <laughs> I think you're going to lose your mind. Okay. Um, it is, uh, and maybe we'll wait to do a more in-depth review until you've seen it. Mm-hmm. But um, it is a show about um, where we look to find our identities via uh, the internet, via um, how we want to be perceived, via cancel culture, via celebrity, um, and... Uh, there is the writing flows from iambic pentameter to source text from um, uh, into the woods. It's uh, uh, to you know, Real Housewives. To it, I, I just I can't begin with how much pleasure I had in watching this show, and it affirmed this thing that art can do, which is uh, to have us look at ourselves in a way that is can create some more openness um, instead of solidifying into categorical thinking. Mm. And um, uh, it's, uh, it's really risky and uh, is, is funny and dangerous and wild and performed like 
motherfucker, like up, up, up a hundred and like 10. It is so good. I think you're going to be obsessed. And I'm looking forward to us actually reviewing it when you see it, but it's only available online until November 7th. And so I wanted, I saw a live show of it and I just wanted our listeners to know that you can go, um, and catch it before it's out. And I will have information, um, on my page or on dance and stuff about the talk that I'll be doing with the creators on Halloween. Um, yeah, really, really fun. So, so pleasurable. I have not laughed that hard in a long time. Um, yeah, really good. Really, really good. Um, that's kind of the main, I think, event of anything that's happened. I just did a gala for Dixon Place. Oh, wow. Um, that was wild. On Zoom. Um, on Zoom. On Zoom. On Zoom. I read some new work. And um, I guess I'll also do another uh, PSA. Support Dixon Place. It is one of the few last standing uh, venues that will commission you and produce you if you don't have a New York Times review. How did that feel to like to deliver new material into the void of Zoom with like no audience reaction? Well, there was an audience. No, I understand, um, but you couldn't hear them. Yes, uh, it felt totally fine because I teach every day <laughs> and I am alone in the in the opening warm up just talking and then we come to the screens and people unmute themselves and we go and we highlight who's going to be performing, et cetera. So I feel, I, I don't know. I'm also an Aquarius. I'm a child of the internet. I feel pretty like uh, it's fine for me. Do you have a teacher's assistant who deals with like screen sharing, et cetera? Mm-mm, you mm-mm. do it. No, I can do all of that myself. That's fine. Wow. I am absolutely, I internet. <laughs> it's Good for fine. you. Good for you. It's- it's weird. It's a strange extension of uh, the brain uh, for me, you know. And we're supposedly transforming as I believe as, it. As data, as these phones, as all of this stuff, it's there are scientists who are like, our DNA is changing. I my body's very resistant to it. Very resistant. <laughs> you do not want it, and I am absolutely like Lucy. That movie with um. <laughs> Um, Scar Joe, where I'm like, well, I'm about to turn into like a black crystal that's just information and then shatter and go into the ether. Yeah. Um, I also went to a gala this week. It was interesting to go oh. to a gala on Zoom. A gala on Zoom. Yes, you were at the NYCB gala. Yeah, the fall uh, new digital commissions gala, which was interesting. They made the the participating artists go to a rehearsal for the gala, which was sort of pointless, but there were, they I sort- don't, what is that? Wait, how did that work when like Russell's had already been filmed? Oh no, 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 no. Like a rehearsal for participation in the zoom. Oh, I'll just go. I'll just explain it. So basically like all uh-huh. the, all the people who had danced <laughs> in and made the, the dances, uh-huh. all these five digital commissions, uh. We had to go to a Zoom rehearsal where they explained to us, like, you're going to arrive early and then at seven, they're going to show the dances. And then when the dances are over, you're all going to be sent to breakout rooms with board members and also like a company elected moderator who's going to ask questions of you. Um, so they were just making sure that we understood the format 
Um, but I was like, I already understood that from the emails, but it's okay. Uh-huh. You were like, well, that was explained to me in an email. So I guess my follow-up question is, is it okay if I show up to this in a bathtub? Yeah. Well, I did show up to it, um, <laughs> with full dinner going into my mouth. Cause I was like, I'm so hungry. Um, I love that. You were like, look, it's the gala dinner, everyone. I was having um, gala. I didn't have surprised more people weren't eating, but I had a very, very nice breakout room. It was um, Russell, Pam, Harriet, and myself. And then um, uh, Bill, Billy Wright, who is a wonderful supporter of the library and the ballet, and um, a couple other donors who were very curious and, and Wendy popped in. We had a great time. Uh, I love Wendy. Um, every time we say her name, it's a real, I love, I love Wendy. Um, ladies oh. and other, this will come up in the, in our, our talk that we're about to go into with David, but whoever sent me that black blouse, I just mm. want to really take another moment to say thank you. That meant so much and I love an anonymous love note and um I love this blouse and I I read the packaging like the care instructions for it which is like put it in a garment bag with tissue paper and um oh yeah it's a real like do not do this do not do that I guess if you're going to clean it you should just put it in a plastic bag in the freezer oh wow well the person who sent it did an excellent job in placing it in a large box with lots of room around it. Whereas I squished it into a priority mailbox. You, you absolutely. And when I thought of how it arrived to me from you, from <laughs> the, from the, um, from your studio, you just like slammed it into two envelopes and squished it into a box. Well, so, I wasn't going to put it in those two envelopes, but then I got nervous. It was going to get wet. So then I, yes, thank you. I did thank that. Thank you for putting it in a box. But I, I do did, really appreciate it. And I'll Venmo you for that shipping. I'm glad that it got there so fast. Cause then I started to think like, Oh my God, like I'm, I ruining the integrity of those pleats, but I think it'll be okay. The pleats remained. It is a beautiful garment and whoever you are, I love you. <laughs> well, you have they have beautiful handwriting and they nailed beautiful it. handwriting and exceptional taste. It's really yeah. uh it it is really incredible. Um the the draping in the back, how it becomes a cape is really iconic. A cape. Um I don't know, Jack. It's capish. That's what Jeremy said, and there is a way. I'll I'll show it. Mm, we'll it's like a, a balloon. Yeah, but it's the way the seam at the shoulder happens that then the sleeves end up kind of doing this sort of drape. Oh, I understand what you yes, I understand what you mean because the back sort of folds over the sleeve. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And it's a real like when I get a chance to, I mean, I guess I'll just wear it around the house or if I go out to give Rory like a banana, um, when I wear it, I really have to just make sure I keep the seams right on my shoulders. But I love a challenging garment. It's not a challenging garment. I love making sure a garment's remaining in its integrity. Did you wear it to the gala tonight? Did you wear it to the gala? I did not because I decided to wear this like incredibly like, uh, voluminous clothes I don't know read well on a camera if you can't see the full body so I wore an absolute like skin tight glittery black uh sweater oh wow okay yeah yeah I wore what I'm wearing in the photo with you and David oh nice that was pretty that I'm wearing that like an absolute right to my Joan Didion bone uh body (laughs) 
Speaking of like beauty, cosmetics, what have you, mm, mm. I was I went to the dentist yesterday because I am in the process of having a crown. All replaced. of your teeth pulled out. Yeah, all okay. of them. Mm. I'm having a crown replaced. That's 20 years old on one of my on mm. my right front tooth, mm. and it's been chipped for some time. And so I'm finally mm. in a place where my insurance is covering most of the crown. And I said, okay, mm. so. I went in yesterday for the beginning of that procedure, which involves basically removing the existing crown and then placing over it um, a temporary tooth while the crown itself gets fabricated in a lab. Um, And then during this whole process, which takes some time, my dentist was talking to his assistant about um, all the workshops he's taking in cosmetic procedures because my dentist also does trigger point injections, which has now led him into Botox and filler injections and then also implants. Um, And I'm sorry, what kind of implants? Probably like cheek implants. I see. I see. Chin. I thought you were going to be like breast implants. And I was like, that's incredible. She's just working her way right from the mouth down the body. Better work. I didn't realize that dentists like move into cosmetics. Did you know that? I did because my dentist in Greenpoint offers, I saw that he offers Botox because Botox is used for migraines. Right. And TMJ. Right. And so it is, so, but then I, you know, it got me thinking. Oh yeah. What if you were like, well, can't we just say that I have TMJ? Like what if you're like, I really grind my teeth and I really feel that it starts in my forehead. I pointed to my 11s (laughs) and I said, I have a headache right here. Um, but he didn't give me any Botox. Um, I mean, I'm. It's it's at a certain point. It, this Botox will just be available in CVS. I think you're right. I mean, my dentist gives it to himself, and he had like he started using it since I started seeing him. And he's like, I mean, do you see the difference? I was like, Well, yeah. I mean, your forehead looks like glass, but he wow. he is not. He's young, and when I said, you know, I'm. I'm not sure about starting Botox because I realize if I start, it's going to be incredibly addictive and I won't want to stop. He said, well, you're exactly right. And I said, but I'm already almost 40 and I feel like it's fine. He And he said, I, he was upset because he said, I can't believe you're 40 because I thought that I was older than you. And I said, <gasps> and you were like, well, jump up and down every day in your apartment and twist your ribs around and you can look just as young as me. <laughs> um, twist your ribs. I, um, I, uh, I, I was just remembering how I grabbed that when I went to that dermatologist for like, a that cystic, like acne moment that I got, I never get a breakout. And I got like that one, I got like two, like one by my eyelid and one by my cheek right before I flew to Melbourne, which was leading to her guest. I remember how I took that. I like grabbed another syringe of, oh, um, I remember you did that. What was it? It's something you inject in that. Cortisone. Um, Cortisone. Because they didn't do the one by my eye. She was like, I'm just, I'm anxious about that. I'm just going to let a cream take care of it. And I thought, no, honey, I've paid too much money to come here. I'm going to take care of it. Went right on home and stuck that needle in my eyelid. Did you really? Uh Uh-huh. I was like, I bet I can gauge this. Did it work? Stuck it in. Yeah. It was gone. And like by the next morning. Wow. You could have done something really crazy. Yeah, I could have. I mean, but, I know. had a tiny little pimple, like kind of an inch below my bottom eyelid, mm. eyelashes, which is very mm. soft, delicate skin. And I fiddled with it and gave myself essentially a black eye. 
Um, wow. Well, your skin is tissue paper. It, I do feel, I know you like to do that P70 moment on it, but I feel your skin's very fine. It's a very, Linda Evangelista is who I think of when I think of you. I do have like crepey skin around my eyes. So I, I kind of stay away from there. I, you know, like you, you gotta use an eye cream, honey. You gotta use an eye cream. I'm sure you do. I don't know if that's true. Actually. I think you can just use low, like face cream or oil all over your Vaseline. face. You feel Vaseline. Um, oh wait, I want to tell you. Oh, sorry, go ahead. My, yeah, tell, me, tell me something. The dental assistant was a bit of a mm. of a of a comedian because I, oh, I when I that. when I got in the chair early on, I said, oh, "Do you mind if I get up and use the bathroom?" He said, "Oh, no problem." Oh. And then yeah. after they had done like you know an hour and a half of stuff, I was like, "Do you mind if I get up again and use the bathroom?" And he said, "Are you on diuretics?" <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> I love that. Did you laugh? I really did. I love that so much. I, one of the last, the last time I saw a dentist in Manhattan, it was a very like renowned, like gay dentist that like all these queens I knew were like, you've got to go to that. And I was like, and I went and it was so awful. It's was, it's truly one of like the worst experiences I've ever had with a doctor because while he had his fingers in my mouth, he started telling me about his Fire Island experience and it got very sexual. Whoa. And my mouth was like filled with his fingers and I didn't want it. I was like, "Mm -mm, I don't want to hear these stories and I don't want this. And I, and you know what? I didn't see a dentist after that that for like 15 years. You should go to my dentist. That's okay. I love my dentist. I love her in Greenpoint. I love her. I love her. She's amazing. Alyssa, she's mage. And um, I can't remember her last name right now, but she's right off Manhattan. And her name is Alyssa with a Y. Well, I was going to... mage. The whole end of this dental saga is that Mm. when they made the temporary from the mold of my chipped crown, they put it Mm. on me and it still had the like that chip in the bottom of it, even though it was a new tooth, mm. but they like mm. kind of ground it out to make it smooth, mm-hmm. which short yeah. shortened the tooth. And now I have mm. like one weird short tooth for two weeks while I wait for my crown. <laughs> Is it in the front? Oh yeah. And I look like I have a weird meth tooth. Oh, wow. It's sad. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that, but um, what's nice is we're wearing masks these days, so people people can't tell. Um, There was something I was thinking, oh, I I really wish that it was like a short movie, this whole story you told me, and it was called The Crown. Oh! (laughs) Oh, It's gorgeous, short film The Crown. Just do it on your iPhone and post it up. That cake you sent... You didn't post that to dance and stuff. I, I told didn't. you. But now it, that I've told the story, I'll post the cake. Post it. I want when, if you're going to go through this, like Claire Saffet's dessert, what have you, and make each of them, please post mm-hmm. them onto the dance. And stuff Our guest like. has given me two assignments for, to bake for him before he goes. Wow. Wow. Did Can you share them or have you signed an NDA? <laughs> um, the first is going to be a flourless chocolate cake and the second is going to be a, fu- a funfetti cake. I love a flourless chocolate tort, really. A chooch. That um, a crustless, you know, like flourless chocolate. Oh, delish. Did you delish, watch delish. the did you watch the face? I didn't. I'm so sorry. I have not. The only thing I saw was Circle Jerk, 
And I have been, I don't even know how to tell you how busy it is. One would think that teaching on Zoom wouldn't be that, but it it is more work. And, um, and also because and this isn't to trigger you or make you feel anxious. Everyone in New York is going to be fine. I, there's also, you know, 2016 up here, there was some really scary stuff that happened um, with people up here feeling that they now had the rights to act however they wanted to act um, and in violent ways. And so I feel that not kind of thinking about, okay, well, what's, what is a plan and how is the school going to address that in terms of students who are up here and safety and all of that. And it's just a whole, it's wild. It's like, it's a wild time. And I'm not looking to be hypervigilant. I'm just looking to be vigilant with what happened in 2016. Because look, if Trump, let's say Trump loses the election, I can also picture people up here being real. Some, not everyone. I mean, course, Trump but. losing the election is the scenario that is, in a way, scarier, just because his his fans, fans coming out, his, his fans, his, his fans, fans, his fans with guns. Uh huh. It's a real. Um, I don't know. So I do think it is this thing of pending and where you are. I'm in a far more rural place. And, uh, but as I've said to my analyst today, it's similar to where I grew up. So I don't feel that afraid actually. And, um, it's just about having a plan. Um, also, which is basically me rigging Parker's house, like home alone. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. I can't wait till you do the cutout silhouettes of people at a party. (laughs) Um, what else? Is that it? Yeah, go vote. Uh, yes, honey, please go. If you can, if you're in the district, go vote where Barton Cowperthwaite is your polling assistant. Because, I mean, truly a saint. And, not, like, um, not like go vote because it's cute. Like, go vote because you literally have to. Because if you don't, you should feel guilty about it for literally the rest of your life. It's also... And 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 this is a big shout out to. Do you have any friends or family members in swing states? Give them a call. Everyone's already told you this, and we're just here to tell you that again. Pennsylvania, Florida, Idaho, Iowa. You know, get Ohio. Give it like just make the phone calls. Do what you can. Um, mm, uh, oh my god! And now for something completely different. We're excited to bring in our our guest who we've, Reed has known for a very long time and I have known on and off for years. And um, uh, what a treat, David Hallberg. Have a wonderful time listening. And if you need more background information, pick up a copy of his book. I think it's called A Body of Work, but don't take my word for it. Just look up his name. sisters together for a couple more weeks <laughs> together forever but then but then so so david you go to melbourne your flight is in two weeks my flight is in two weeks to the day i think i'll be sobbing in two weeks to the day or will you just feel numb Reed, that's feel your numb. fantasy <laughs> <laughs> Reed, that's when you get on a flight no, I find airports actually, like, very sad. Like, often the moment I walk through, like, the revolving door, I feel very weepy. 
Really? Mm -hmm. And it can be like a simple, often it's coming back from California. If I'm seeing friends or family, I'll, I'll feel really sad walking into the airport. My mom, I, I was just in Phoenix with my parents mm -hmm. and I was driving to the airport with my mom and dad. They were <laughs> dropping me off <laughs> as good parents. <laughs> yes, totally. And I started sobbing in the car oh. and it was like, it was like a moment of like, wow, this is the last time I'm going to see my parents before I move. Mm -hmm. Um, and my mom was crying and like, then we got to the airport and we got out of the car and like, we were hugging and crying and she's like, oh, she's like, I'm so pr proud of you. You're so, you're so strong. You know, you've always had such strength in your life to go, go far away places. And it was such a moment. You're going <laughs> so far away though. And I, so it's understandable. And also it's strange to say this, but like to, to move on from like dancer to director is like it's really like becoming an adult because you know, the mm -hmm. infantilization of dance, but I, any situation of like being on the train on the bus in a car and looking out the window is a, it's like a very quiet place for me, but also like extreme nostalgia mm -hmm. at all. Cause I was constantly being put on a bus or a train to like leave my family. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. I also had a lot of, travel that started early on and then just kept moving away and away and away and there is the sort of um that quality of a performer's life is a very judy garland haunting experience of loneliness um the read when you mm -hmm. said that about the train i really pictured the girl who's not carol in his not Kate Blanchett. Mm -hmm. Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara. I really pictured Rooney Mara when she's on the train coming back from Carol's house in New Jersey and does really one of the best uh, camera cries while trying to... God, I don't remember that. She's yeah. trying to keep it together on the train coming back from Jersey while really understanding she's a lesbian and uh, yeah. cries out the window. It's iconic. And did she have this euphoric time in Jersey with her? Oh, yeah. Well, she has a... It's when her and Carol have first hung out and Carol is, um, uh, you know, sexy and uh, Rooney sort of is into it and it's confusing. And then Carol's husband shows up and is abusive. And uh -huh. Carol's like, you just got to get out of here and just like sort of just gets her on a train and gets her out. And it's this sense of wanting something that probably can't be at that moment in the film. Jack, you're going to think this is a less good version of the same thing, but the scene in Call Me By Your Name where okay. <laughs> Army Hammer says bye to Timmy Chalamet at the train station. And then he has to get, he has to call his mom to be picked up Fucking and then he ruined. gets in the car with his mom and he's crying. It's really, really, really sad. I didn't have that experience <laughs> <laughs> with watching that particular film. What was your experience? Um, I felt, well, I already had a lot of problems with that <laughs> With that film, um, <laughs> I know that it's different than the book. It was, it's the age discrepancy really spooked me out. And then... It spooked me out a little um, bit. Uh, I felt like the calling the mom, crying, coming in the car. And then it was just the way I kind of relentlessly felt women were treated in the film bothered me. So it's like she shows up while he's like upset and blah, blah, blah. And she, yet again, some another woman has to do something for this kid this boy and it it all was followed by how he like snaps at the cook and i just was like i don't care about this i just couldn't do it 
I didn't, I did not succumb to that film. Mm. I really, I really only felt like posting. I, I made a meme that I didn't post, which was this, uh, in, uh, photo of Woody Allen with his uh, daughter he married um, and I wrote Call Me By Your Name <laughs> over it of them on a boat in Venice because <laughs> I was like um, yuck so you know that was my but you do you can relate to like emotional goodbyes though oh um, my god honey I had like a psychotic emotional goodbye in a Montreal airport where I left my passport somewhere in the airport and then security had to come while I sobbed hysterically to help me retrace my steps. And like, you found it? I found it. The security, I got to the <clears throat> gate and I realized I didn't have my passport. It's so unfortunate the person for whom this cry is in regard to. Well, and in that way it is sort of, yes. I'll, I'll just like, I'll just stick with saying yes. <laughs> okay. and, I'll um, tell David later. But the cry was for someone, not for the passport. It was no, no. And also just even me getting to the airport was really crazy. Like my friend helped me buy the airplane ticket, which I didn't even remember because the stakes were so high. Like I, mm -hmm. like I got back to New York and two weeks later, my friend was like, what about when you called me crying and I helped you get that airplane ticket? And I was like, you did? Like it was really, <laughs> it was pretty D-R-A-M-A-A. Um, and uh, so that's my new album coming out, D-R-A-M-A. David, did you ever fly as an unaccompanied minor when you were little? No. Why? No. No, you don't know what that is? I do. Did you fly as an unaccompanied minor, Reed? Yeah. All the time. There you go. You were just thrown on a plane. And <laughs> yeah, like... my mom would put us on the plane to go to Idaho to see family in the summers when we were really, really little. And they take care of you. The stewardesses, like, what, what are they called? Flight attendants? Sorry, everybody. Um, they watch you. And then you have to go to this room if you have a layover with all the other kids. Uh -huh. And all the well, kids. that's not unaccompanied. That's like. You're accompanied by airport staff. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they do this thing where they say you can't get out. You have to get off the plane last. Because you have to wait. <laughs> so you just sit there while everyone walks past you. I mean, when I first flew to New York, I was 17. I was 16. And my parents were so scared for me to go to New York. I wait, I have a question, though. Was this before Paris? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was the summer before Paris. Uh -huh. And I, my, I knew my parents were so petrified of me going to New York because... <laughs> they felt like I was going to be swallowed alive by the city, like taken mm -hmm. advantage mm -hmm. of, like, and they knew I was gay and, and I had come out mm -hmm. and, you know, we were all comfortable with it, but they were like really naive about how I was going to experience the city or how the, ex the city was going to experience me. Yeah. And I remember like how terrified they were. I'm sure it's a lot safer for you to come to New York than to stay in Arizona. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, when they put you on the plane to go to Paris for like a year, was there were there tears at the airport? My mom, um, they flew to Paris with me. Oh, wow, that's nice. Dropped me off, kind of, with a, a really great host family that they trusted. But then my mom told The king me, and queen of France? Yeah, they were, <laughs> they were basically, they, they were my saving grace, so they were literally the king and queen. But they, um, my, my mom said she cried the entire plane ride home. Oh yeah. Because, and this ties into Australia because she's, she realized that I'd never come back. She it realized like at 17, that was it. I was never coming back to 
just to be home or to be in Arizona. Did you stay with that host family the whole time? No, only on the weekends. Oh, you were in the dorms. Uh-huh. Torture. Torture. They tortured in the dorms and then a weekend of uh, crying and journal writing. Well, a weekend of like roaming around Paris by myself, which was a... That's great. Which was lonely and amazing and like reflective and it was so coming of age. Like it's when I, that year I spent, literally I had no friends like for the entire year. I would spend all weekend like roaming around Paris alone and it was the first time because like I had such an American upbringing like I had friends I drove a car at 16 I Mm. had girlfriends and then boyfriends and blah 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 and then I went to Paris and I was like alone and everyone hated me I love that part in your book about that boy in Arizona yeah Let's everyone read his book if you want to know what I'm talking about. It's hot stuff. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I mean, we're not going to be doing a memoir of David Hallberg because you can buy the book. Yeah, you can literally and, buy the book. <laughs> and um, David, are there other uh, podcasts you've been on where you kind of like tell the whole story? I'm sure. Yeah. Look it up in iPodcasts. Did you record the audiobook? No. This is a str- sorry, David. For those of you who are listening unfamiliar with David, went to train at the Paris Opera Ballet School kind of towards the end of his ballet training before he joined ABT, which is very unusual. Americans don't do that very often. But they were the students were very unkind to him. I'm curious, if you look back now, do you think there would have been a way for you to ingratiate yourself socially into that world? Yeah. Looking back, yes. how could you have done it? Because you could speak French after a time, right? Mm, yeah, after a couple, six months. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I went to France like a typical suburban dumb American. Uh-huh. Like, I, I, I went to France with a year's worth of shampoo and deodorant. Incredible. Because I didn't think... That's so Because I was moving to Mars. I mean, what kind of, of shampoo? you can't buy... Shampoo and turmeric. What flavor? It was probably Pantene Pro-V. Gorgeous. Or, or Herbal Essences. <laughs> Jack, what were you using in high school? Remember, and I probably didn't use shampoo and conditioner. You know, I was so, I was like, oh, I have curly hair. It's like, just leave it alone. So, and I don't, I kind of don't, rem- at Interlochen, I, whatever was cheapest, like, you know, uh, probably, probably yeah. something cheap. Um, <laughs> so, but David, continue with rain. Reed's question. Yeah, so I, you know, I got to France and, you know, like I remember going to buy school supplies and they didn't have college ruled paper that I was used to in America. And so I just assumed they were out mm-hmm. and there was a huge bin of their, of French, like double-sided paper that all the kids buy. And I just was like, oh, they're out of the paper I need. They're out of the school. (laughs) And I started to kind of stress out. And so I went, I went to France, like just so naive. And, and then I got to the school and I was like, oh, everyone's my best friend right now. And so I treated, and that's very American, you know, Mm. it's like, like, hey, hey, I love you. You Yeah. In an hour. That's how you were the first time I met you. They looked at me like, Excuse me. Amazing. They were like, <laughs> they were over me from day one. And, and I was desperate for them to like me in a way. And so I think if I would have just like, cause as the months rolled on, I started to care less and less. Yeah. I was like, Oh, 
Yeah, you had to protect yeah, yourself. Yeah, I was self-protective. And did, I, did you have a roommate in the yeah. dorm? I had a roommate for the first half of the year who was a, another foreigner. Oh. Um, and then I just didn't care. And I like, then I really didn't care, like at the end of the year. And I was like, you all can go like, screw yourselves. Wow. Right. I'm going to win. Jack, are you hearing another conversation? Because there's people in my shaft way having a full talk. Should we go in your bedroom? I can really, yeah, I can really hear them. Tell them to shut the fuck up. They're, um, they're going on. What are they doing? Just old ladies gabbing in the doorway for some reason with it open. Oh, what are they talking about? (laughs) Probably laundry. Are they, are they talking, are they talking about like crying? Are they talking about crying in airports? (laughs) For sure. (laughs) David's like, I'm literally moving to Australia. (laughs) Are but I, you know, you'll be back and you'll fly us all there, and it, we'll just all end up living there, David. I mean, hey, <laughs> I literally, why I love Melbourne to in terms yeah, of yeah, I want to know why we started the podcast because I know why because I, I agree with you, but I want to know your your take. My feeling was that my work hasn't toured a lot, but out of the places that my work has toured, it was the place where I felt that people understood the humor the most. And there was a level of irony and um, uh, self-indictment met with a a very playful quality that coincides well with a neurosis inside of the material that I present. And so that made me feel at ease as well as people's great sense of humor, incredible kindness Mm -hmm. and it was just far more um as it just is it was just a far more socialized place I mean I remember it took me months after getting back to get over how depressed I was really (laughs) because we flew into we flew into LAX and there was like this woman screaming at the top of her lungs about how she wanted like a bigger slurpee or something and everything felt so awful and loud and cacophonous and fast and needy and desperate. Jack, I wonder if if your work would be well received in England. I mean, I think it's, it has to be an English speaking place. Ava. Yes. I mean, there's just something to the, I also just, I really loved the weather in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. I need a kind of wetter climate. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really loved the people and I loved that everyone wore black. And, um, is that true? It's like draped black in Melbourne. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I was like, I I was like, everyone's wearing my clothes. And, um, and I was, I really liked the way queerness expressed itself there. Like Daniil? Like that kind of draped black? Yeah. Whoa. Sorry, I got I got stuck on it's that, like Jack. It's Rick Owens, but not Rick Owens. It's like cheap Rick Owens. It's totally fine, Reed. I get it. You're an aesthetic queen. <laughs> um, and I guess I am as long as it's black. Um, Do you love... And, wait, Jack, uh, talk about your new gift from your secret admirer. Well, I feel like we should have a have an intro to this that we don't have to take David Oh, okay. I'll tell David about it. I'm, I'm all ears. I want to hear. Jack got a Halloween um, pumpkin blouse from a secret admirer. I received an incredible 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 black blouse from uh someone who wants to remain anonymous and i assume they listen to this podcast and i want to thank you very much and um uh 
I, Jeremy filmed me dancing around in it and I will post it to the story so you may remain anonymous and see it for, if you catch it for 24 you hours. Um, and, uh, I, and I'm so, I can't go on how appreciative I am. I checked in on who I thought it was and, uh, she said no. Wait, so do you know who it I, is? We don't. Mm-mm. Oh my god! Nope. I even started doing no, like someone. I started to try to be like a forensics person. Did I was someone leave a note. Yeah, there was a note. A there very was a nicely note. written note. We've... I'm gonna have to check your handwriting later. Was it a love later. note? It was. I mean, aren't all notes love notes? In a Wait, way? David, was this a gift from you? He <laughs> <laughs> laughed. <laughs> um. Oh my god! This is so intriguing. Wow. And the and the person knows me in some way because the note was written on like a CDG postcard from the Met, um, and uh, it was all, I it it meant a lot. I I I am I have to say I've been very touched in receiving um, gifts to deal with uh, getting over Lyme and um, shingles. David, do so you own you any garments from Comme des Garcons? I used to have a blazer from Comme des Garçons. Right? I was just thinking about your clothes for a second because in my mind, <laughs> well, cause like I think Jack got really introduced to the universe through my mom. Cause he'd come out to the house and she'd Correct. give him pieces from mm-hmm. the old days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you have, I feel like you have an abundance of Prada clothes in your wardrobe. I have a lot of Prada, yeah. They look really, really good on you. Thanks. And did they give them to you? Prada would absolutely look incredible on you. I can see it <laughs> um, now. <laughs> a couple, yeah, some of it. Did you do like a thing for them? <clears throat> I've off and on, but they used to dress me for stuff. Oh, so nice. Yeah. God. Did you ever meet Damn. Mutual Prada? Mm-hmm. You did. Mm-hmm. How did you meet her? Because <laughs> I did that perform a. Thing, oh Francesca yeah, Vizzle. right. That's and cool. just before you were like goodbye, <laughs> before one of your incredible vanishing, that was a vanishing <laughs> act. <laughs> I I've loved your vanishing acts over the last. Well, I'm while. I'm trying not to make this this trip a vanishing act because I'm because I realized like when I when I disappeared and I went off everything and people were like, um, where is where are you? Um, People, some people took it really personal. Well, here's they the were thing. like, you didn't, you haven't, we haven't talked in a year. I said, yeah, but I was like, I lost my shit. You know, when, when, a, when yeah. your friend, like, even if like they feel like family is gone for a year, that friendship has to like <laughs> go to sleep. It has to go into hibernation until, cause it's too hard to just like stay friends over the phone or whatever. So read your prefacing our friendship for the next at least a couple of years. No, but listen. This is your disclaimer. I no. I well. I. I mean, everyone knows I'm not going to stay friends with you. If Reed, you're not. Reed is like, I'm not going to be in touch with you. Okay. <laughs> like these last two weeks, let's get our fill because it's over. Reed yeah. is absolutely like, I will have baking to do and bon appetit videos. Well, also, to watch you know about my memory. I can't remember. I can't remember feelings past two weeks, basically. <laughs> <clears throat> you can't remember feelings past a few days. And that's not true, actually. You will really hold on to a feeling for two weeks if it's a bad thing. You're exactly I have held on to some yeah. feelings for way too long in the yes, past, but have. I've gotten better at letting them go. But oh, not too long. I was thinking about being a ballet director, and it is kind of imperative for you and your job to like travel away to see work on your breaks. Yes. Yeah. So you just come home. Yeah. Because where else would you see work if not here? 
<laughs> I do think I do think David that you will be back and of forth course. between New York and New Australia. York is your artistic the, the home. Trip is really hideous. It's hideous, but you'll be in first where you can take a shower and sleep for like months. Wait, of so have you ever taken time. a shower on a plane? No, never. No, I've never even. That's like Emirates. Yeah, that's Emirates. Yeah, never done that. Jack, <laughs> but have you ever taken a shower in a lounge in yeah. an airport? Yeah. Freshen up. Freshen up. So have I. Yeah. I, have taken, up. I have taken a shower in a lounge. Absolutely. I mean, it's sort of a game changer, to be honest, when you're off of... And like Australia, like that flight is no joke, you know? Especially that from... flight Europe. destroyed my Did life. Did it? <laughs> I mean, it was... The flight was really excruciating, I have to say, both both ways because I I was I was way back there and um I flew to New Zealand really hard on my ago, body. which is the only th- comparable thing that I've done in terms of well I've been to China several times but even that's not not the same but flying to uh Reed when you take this flight because you're gonna go you're yeah. gonna Reed you leave you'll go in the spring but it is um it is brutal but flying to New Zealand I all I remember is the flatware and the dishware, which was very nice. That's correct for you. Yeah. That seems absolutely correct. It was a royal, it was New Zealand air. They're a great airline. It was good. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, the thing is right now, it's like everything is shut. Everything, there are no, I'm not, you know, I'm not on Qantas. I'm on something. Um, Australia really has, has, they're hibernating right now. What's wrong with Qantas? They cut all their international flights. My yeah. God! Yeah. Wow, the they're virus. doing it right. Because of the virus. Incredible. Well, they're really trying to, you know. I mean, it's it's an island, so they are really trying to um, <clears throat> keep it locked. And I'm assuming you'll get there and you'll be put in a hotel for. Two I am weeks put in a hotel can... for two weeks, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. I'm having anxiety about it because I've done it once already when I went down in March, and that time it wasn't government mandated yet. It was like a hotel mm-hmm. of my choice. And uh-huh. this time it's like... And this one, they're putting you in a Best Western. Yeah, they like choose the hotel, you go, and they lock you up. They lock you up. Uh-huh. Like if you're locked in on, at 5.30 on a Monday in two weeks, on Monday, you'll mm-hmm. get out at 5.30. What was that experience uh-huh. like the first time? What did you do? It just all blended together. Did you exercise? I did not exercise. I was not in the mood. Did you watch movies? No. Was food brought to your room? Yeah. Like, would it be left outside the door? Yes, they would knock on the door. You'd have to wait 30 seconds. They'd go and get in the elevator, and you'd open the door. Oh, my. Did you have a choice of food? Yes. With, was it from, like, could you order out, like, restaurants? Or was it, you like... You could order out. Oh, that's At nice. that stage. I don't know what it's going to be Did you like have to pay for the food? Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. So you didn't watch movies, and you didn't work out. Um, did you just stare at a wall no, for two weeks? I, you know, it, at that point, like New York was majorly the, it was the epicenter. So yeah. a lot of people were home, you know, I was like zooming a lot with friends and like kind of catching up. Like I hadn't been able to do, um, well, no one had been able to do really. Oh, that was fun. So Those first we got on weeks. really long zoom calls, like two or three hour zoom calls. Wow. So that would consume my day a bit. Wow. Um, well, David, if you want, when you're locked up, we can FaceTime. Please. Maybe we should have done the podcast want. then. You know what I found? The hardest part is when you're, when you close your eyes, when you're waking up in the morning or going to sleep, 
you feel the walls caving in. Like if you're not active, you're, Mm -hmm. you, you get, um, claustrophobia. I'm going to bring a jump rope and like an elastic exercise band and then just look at them for two weeks. That's (laughs) you'll be, you'll be insanely productive. I don't. Yeah, I'll, I'll knit, knit something. Yeah, Reed, you will absolutely be like, you know, t- taking that Cunningham class and, and you know, twisting your ribs around. Um, it's a real, <laughs> it's, it's a, you'll, you'll like keep active. I was told that upon arrival that the best way for me to get over my jet lag was to immediately go for a long swim. So I got off the plane and immediately had, um, uh, uh, what is it? A flat white, mm-hmm. and uh, that I asked for an extra shot in, and then I went to this Olympic size swimming pool by where I was staying, and I swam for half an hour. Mm. Nice. I've done that before. It, it really helps. Yeah, it does help. Yeah. And on this case, you could just get in the bathtub and just pedal your legs. I guess. Well, I really <laughs> wish in the United States or in New York, at least, we had like um, public pool centers where you could pay like five dollars and go swimming. Would that be great? What are you talking about? If you just like, if places in New York where you could just pay $5 and go swimming in a beautiful pool. Well, that's what, I mean, I hate to brag, but that's what Melbourne is like. That's literally Right, Melbourne. that's what also literally like Germany Melbourne everywhere else, yeah. which is not America. Yeah, I, I went to this incredible Olympic-sized pool that had like hot tubs around it and different like seating areas. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I showed up and she was like, it'll be, you know, how much <laughs> however much money it was. And I was like, I just got off of a plane. I, I, I don't have any. She goes, oh, that's all right. Go in. Wow. And I was like, and I was like, I love it here. And that kind of relentlessly was my experience for my entirety of Melbourne. So I'm curious um, about your sort of performative experience there, because, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm, that's the, that's going to be the realm. And I know audiences Mm -hmm. through the course of like my 10 years, in and out of Australia, but I just picture and agree or disagree that the, the people that came to see you perform, see your show, they were really hungry and open for, for work because I feel that, um, you know, an Australian audience is, you know, they suffer a bit with their isolation because they don't have, Mm. you know, they don't, you know, New York is this rich landscape of, of, you know, city ballet to whatever else. So is Europe in a way, and things are a lot more compact there. So you can go to Germany, but in Australia, like they do suffer from the abundance and the frequency of work. So when work comes down, whether it is, you know, you, whether it's NDT, whether it's, um, you know, City Ballet, whatever it is, they're so hungry to see it and so open. So it's not like, you know, in New York, like everyone like piles into New York live arts and everyone's judgy and like, (laughs) it's a scene and like, there's Terry and there's, there's so-and-so and and there's whatever. Right, right, right. And it's like, it's almost like a sense of like, what are you going to show us? Mm-hmm. Whereas very generous. in Melbourne, it's yeah. like, it's like, we're ready to experience <clears throat> this. Yeah, it felt very generous in a sense of openness that I think um, 
I mean, and there is this thing of the inundation in New York and how jaded we can get after a certain amount of time. And that I think kind of requires, if you go to see a show, being like, okay, this is a new experience. It's like the kind of talk <laughs> you have to give yourself before the show starts. And in um, in Melbourne, I, f- I didn't feel that sense. I mean, the other thing that I really loved about Melbourne was the sense that high and low could be held. So there's times in which I have felt a kind of, the, you know, a, this either this pull towards the theoretical dance community or, you know, um, um, the classical ballet community or, and then there's this thing of like, well, what if you kind of mix it up and also put on a show that's funny? Like, I think this, the thing of where the humor came in was something I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this, um, uh, when we had Adrian Truscott on, who's incredible, I mean, really one of my favorite performers and, uh, and she's been to Melbourne a lot and actually generally works in Melbourne for half of the year uh, as a performer. Is that because of, of Philip? Is that the person's name? It's not because of Philip. It's, um, it was because Adrian, uh, had toured there with the Val Val sisters and then would go there during really that the comedy festival is such a big deal there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it's actually a very rich place that I would say isn't just com- to us in New York, which is read as comedy, but very much as performance art. So it's not just stand up, but things, you know, using dance and, and really allowing for what I had hoped a performance could be right now, which is a more Renaissance time of uh, using theater, performance art, dance, visual art, etc. Um and I felt that openness in, in Melbourne in a way that felt really relieving. That like I could be serious and and have something. And then when I would flip to the joke, this sort of tension between humor and horror that I feel in life and so therefore wanted to do in work, the audience went along with that. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, but I thought we were doing this. <laughs> you know, I think oh, yeah. I think that kind of um quality. Or we expect you to do this. Exactly, exactly. I mean, because I've been to your shows and like people, there's a. David, you've been in his shows, honey. I've been in your shows. (laughs) Gee, honey. Oh my God. You were, you were the, when you came back from performing, like when you had, from one of your disappearance acts, you did Uh the first Momame and then disappeared again. It was iconic. And you were like, you looked at me, David. I said, Jack. (laughs) We've been meaning to meet for a really long time <laughs> david that, of all the do you know how that's like, what i said people to... have done that part now and you were so natural i remember being like wow david is an actress <laughs> you did you did an incredible job of no literally no one knew that we'd rehearsed it no one no, it was no. really it was iconic um was... that's how that conversation began i said we've been talking for a long time you, no we've been meaning to meet for a long time i think we played off that like we didn't know each other oh this is in the show <laughs> oh yeah in the uh-huh. show right yes yes in the show i was absolutely like yes i absolutely played that we'd never had a conversation before <laughs> that we had and that we had like we were supposed to we were ha- supposed to have met yeah wow. and we hadn't yet it was tense and, like, this was our moment in front of it everyone. was tense it, the well, tension was really you can fun. reprise that role in australia sure sure well i mean at that point that'll be when i'm like david let's do a movie now which can i talk about this wait are we allowed to talk I, about david I, I, are we allowed to talk about it david do you know because um, i was thought i was going to be given intel and i haven't been given days. it yet um no no okay that's fine so this is what Although, i will wait, say here's jack why don't we talk about it 
I we're gonna we're gonna cut this section and place it in another week when when the film's being released when it comes out. Ah, oh, that's amazing. All right, well, tune in, ladies and gentlemen. Another. All right, so now back to the program. <laughs> so now we're back. We've 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 reviewed. We've reviewed. Not reviewed. We've discussed uh, a thing that you'll find out about later. And in sort of inside of that, I do think there are some things to sort of consider and and open up to of. Um, in Melbourne, what is, what is your vibe feeling for yourself? I mean, New York, of course, is so iconically, can feel so iconically free. And, uh, in regards to, um, one's queerness. Uh, but I do feel that way. I did really feel that way about Melbourne as well. Uh, you know, it has to do with the Australian openness. I, I don't feel, you know, at least in Melbourne and Sydney proper, a sense of, I don't know, a sense of, of defining um, or hiding who you are. I mean, New York is like, it's, it's a totally kind of different ballgame in a way. <laughs> it's a wild jungle, especially now. What do you mean now? Well, now because of like what's happening with the pandemic, the, the city is just so on edge. It's like, uh. and and people like, you know, around Chelsea and I just, there's an edge to it, which is interesting to watch, but you know the people that you're watching are suffering. Mm. And that's really hard. Mm. It's really hard to see people like really like high and and struggling and and begging and I mean I've never seen the city like this. Um can you what is it what do you mean? I mean I haven't been there because I I just I, you know, you just see a lot of people like um really either drunk or high mm-hmm. um a lot of people begging mm-hmm. um you see people just really really strung out and it's really difficult to to witness um but then again like which which reverts back to the you know this kind of freedom of expression um in that's innate in in Manhattan and it's innate you know sort of in Melbourne, but not certainly to not this degree. It's, it's, it's good. It's good to see, you know, a kind of expression like that. I don't, I'm not talking about like substances and all that. Like it's, it's like, it's so, it's something that I will truly miss about New York. Yeah. That just doesn't happen in Melbourne. I mean, Melbourne has a different kind of lifestyle, which I'm really looking forward to, you know, I mean, Listen, like I'm. I don't want to live out of a suitcase anymore. I've okay. lived. I've lived out of a suitcase for the last at least decade. Yeah. Um. It's so lonely, and like, it's like I'm done with the with the um, apartment hotels and the you know. I mean, in London, like I would go to Marks and Spencer at Waterloo Station for my groceries. It's really not the kind of. I used to feed on that so much, like the traveling, the pressure, the right. the um, the cities, the cultures, and I really, um, I really, I I just want to unpack my bags. <laughs> well, and that's the th- and the thing about Melbourne that I also loved so much was it was the first place I'd been besides New York that felt like home. Yeah, and I feel the exact same way. And and the home that's not the home. And it's not the home I grew up in because where I grew up never felt like home. And it was always a thing of I have to get 
away from this. Mm-hmm. And then I never felt at home until I landed in New York City. Mm-hmm. And then I never felt it again until I landed in Melbourne, except because people, there was, you know, like a healthcare system and a, a more of a living minimum wage than we have here that just the, the psychoticness yeah. of just America there's a sense there. yeah there's a sense in Australia which is so commendable and I've I've watched this go into overdrive during this pandemic there's a sense of social responsibility in Australia yeah and there's a sense yeah. of <laughs> like let's 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 be responsible to suppress in the immediate example suppress this virus and right. you know now uh, Sydney has zero cases Melbourne has had two cases, active cases I can't, reported. I can't believe yesterday. It. I mean, right, it's right. and and but they went into they they really suffered to do that. I mean, they all went into major lockdown. Right. They really suffered yeah. mentally because they they were home for four months. You know, they couldn't go out of their apartment. Yeah. Um, you know, just to go grocery shopping or something. So, right. but there's a sense of social responsibility that I find really commendable. That like you just look at what's happening, you know, now politically and, and everything that's happening in America, the hatred and the, the, yeah. the, the accusations and the, the violence and the bigotry. It's just like, yeah. what are, who are we, what are we amassing to be, be to become? Yeah. Yeah. It is, it, it is, it is a real, and which is why when we got back from Melbourne and I was in LAX with just these people, just, it felt like screaming and talking so mm-hmm. fast. And I think when I was younger, I thrived off of screaming and talking too fast. And <laughs> I, I like made work about screaming and talking too fast. And what happened certainly after the death of my mother and then after the death of my father and just experiencing death and allowing for more grief to come through and for my work to deepen and for what I thought and cared about to shift a lot, it, it meant that I needed time and space. Mm -hmm. And that feels really hard to accomplish when you also have to figure out how you're going to eat. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, our unemployment, what this, what the pandemic has done to people in terms of fiscally, it's just all, and into then their very livelihoods, this sense of, am I going to live or die? Maybe not even from the pandemic, but just from being able to support myself. I have two questions. There's one short and one long. Is that okay? Do it. Oh, and also one, one, something for you, a little something for you to visualize that I think you'll like, Jack, is that David was just stroking my hair, which is a real twin sisters moment that I think you would have liked. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. My Beautiful. short question is, do shops stay open late in Melbourne? Can you go to a grocery in the middle of the night? You can't. No, that, no. Okay. Closed. Is that, is that sad for you or that's fine? It'll be an adjustment, but you have to plan, which is yeah. fine. Okay, my second question is in regard to this kind of years of nomadic living. Mm -hmm. Do you worry that emotionally, psychologically, the effects of all those years will be kind of irreparable? Oh my God, he's looking. No, that was a long question. Just threw that at me. Um, Okay, the the uh, the the brutal answer. 
I, or here's the other thing. Is it a thing that needs to be repaired? I'm, I will actively, well, I will say I will actively repair it. I think it does need to be repaired because I've, you know, I've really sacrificed a lot of my personal life to, to travel everywhere, to be in long distance relationships, to, to, you know, try and have some, some like semblance of normalcy within a a loving relationship, um, and friendship as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just, it's, I have found it totally unsustainable, uh, because of the choices I've made for my career and the choices I've made, um, in where I travel and the work that I accept. Um, and I'm ready to like repair that. I don't know yet if it's too far gone. I mean, and I, that's a fear of mine. That's too far gone. Yeah. I mean, if I can offer something into that, if it feels helpful, I think, um, in looking at what one's life choices have perhaps created in terms of gaps in intimacy, I think it's interesting to think of, well, why was I looking to avoid that intimacy? Mm-hmm. And the way that, um, I mean, homophobia is not over. It's not going to be over. And the, this thing of, and I was, I mean, I was just talking about this recently of it's, it's this one thing of being like, well, that's not real. Homosexuality is not real and you chose it. So basically you chose to not be real is sort of the end of how that line of thinking goes. So inside of that, and then when one is a performer and has a place to be objectified and loved, I don't, I, I, the blame doesn't rest squarely on your shoulders. It's, a thing that um, has to be unpacked. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I needed to feel for many years that like I I had to go to therapy and like try and fix all this trauma of this stuff that happened to me. And it was really horrifying, saddening, et cetera, to be like, oh, it actually wasn't my fault. And I wanted it to be my fault because then I felt I had power. David, have you ever felt affected by like the notion that home being gay is not real. Is that something that's factored into your psychology? You know, I was so bullied as a kid that I do have like a masculinity complex. Interesting. Like it's still, still, you know, I, I was so, and I, I was taunted, um, because of what was so natural to me dancing and, you know, my affectation Mm -hmm. and, and it's lasted forever. I mean, I'm, I'm a comfortable out gay guy. Um, and I'm, I, I express myself. I I don't hide who I am, but I still have, um, scars from from childhood. Definitely. Do you think if you were 17 now going into a career in ballet, like everything would be different? I think it would, but I also still feel that ballet has like a masculinity complex. Yeah. I mean, it certainly has a masculinity complex in Russia, but 
Um, but well, there, so I many remember when you were going there, and I remember being like, to death. "I'm really worried." Yes, we had a whole talk about it, and you were like, "It's fine," because like I literally like get in. It, it felt like you said I get into an armored car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do live in a, I do live in a bubble. Like I lived right. in a bubble in in Moscow. Right. I mean, I was so supported by the Bolshoi, and you know, the Bolshoi is this really powerful kind of institution. But um, you know, I do feel that I don't know. I just had. Mem- you know, stuff from childhood that, like, really, yeah. I still carry with me. I mean, everyone does. But, like, you know, I, I and ballet has this, this masculinity, you know, I'm, and there's, there's stuff happening in, in, in the newspapers now of stories of masculinity environments, of mm-hmm. environments of uber masculinity. And... Well, and I would say there's nothing wrong with quote unquote masculinity. It's when it becomes toxic, which is the same, which is the same of anything on the binary. It's this, there's, there's, once it becomes toxic, it's a thing of like, how is it being utilized for some kind of abuse? And uh, whether that's out or in, in case you're the, the, quote-unquote man who's having to perform as a quote-unquote man so I think that is that's also what's inside of it it's funny because I'm thinking about like when I I did this grant proposal for that duet for the two of us and that's what the whole thing was about Mm. I mean that piece would end up becoming everything is imaginable Mm -hmm. that's what that piece ended up becoming Mm. um but the original idea for that duet was actually very much about exploring like what if I was the David uh, Standen? <laughs> no, no, it was a totally different piece. Read there, we didn't even do any of it, and everything is imaginable. It, like you know, went out to Grant Bodies. We're like, no thanks. Mm-hmm. It was like, um, you know, what if the Prince and Sleeping Beauty is like, I want to dance. I don't care. I don't know. I don't want to kiss her. You know, it was like <laughs> this thing around. Can what about what about that level of play in one's in uh, in terms of. Um, that, and I think, I think the bully being bullied and then needing to disappear and only be presented as on stage or on screen. Um, I get it. Mm -hmm. Like, and it was something that I got as soon as I met you because I felt we were able to connect in this one way that I was, I don't know, you know, you spot it, you got it really. It's sort of always the moral of that. And so and the how we repair ends up helping, or at least how I think of it, is it always just ends up helping younger people somehow. The two of you are born um, very near one another, I feel like. Wisconsin and North Dakota? South, South Dakota. Dakota. South Dakota. Are they close? South Dakota. Similar cultures. Where's Wyoming? Yeah. Is that further west than the Dakotas? That's, yeah, babe. Oh, it is? Yeah. It's next to Montana. Yes. Got it. So, yeah, you guys were close. <laughs> We were, it was a similar, similar cultures and a very... But David um, went to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different. Yes. Well, and then guy. like off to Paris, whereas I was like, I guess I'll go to this place called Interlaken. But still this thing of how that initial run out of, and running out of Dodge, I think continues on and on until one finally stops running. Yeah. And I'm excited for you with Melbourne yeah, exactly. to unpack and to totally. sit down and to grieve and to think about what is it you want. Mm-hmm. How long is this contract? Long enough. Okay. 
Wow, long enough to get settled. 57 years. 57 years. It's a 57 year contract generally when you become an artistic director. Well, in America, in America it would seem as, as much. Oh my God. Well, I'm just going off of what I've seen in America. But the way <laughs> these people go on be, and on and on. But if you become an artistic director, it's... 70, it's 57 years. Oh my God. For Wendy, I'm absolutely like, extend it to a hundred years. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, I'm excited for you, David. I'm really, really excited for you. And I also, I can imagine the, the complex feelings of, mm. uh, the complex feelings of leaving once again. Yeah. But, but like, it, it um, feels really, like I'm actually leaving, you know, I, I would leave New York yes. for almost a year at a time, or but I'd be in London and Moscow and then Australia right. and then back to Moscow. And, and but I'd always right. have my, my place here, my, my books here, you know, home, right. my, my true right. friends that have been friends for 20 years. But like, this is, yeah. this is like, this is a huge, huge turning point, which I feel really ready for, mm. but it's not, you know, it's definitely growing pains. Will you tell the story of how your apartment has become like a symbol of your yeah. exodus? <laughs> well, so I've had water damage like under my floors, which I've lived in this place um, for 10 years and have never had anything go wrong with it. So the last month I'm, I'm in New York <laughs> The pipe uh -huh. bursts, I get mold under the floors, and the floors go to like an eight inch peak at one point, like a roof, like roof, like hard as a rock. Yeah. Cannot live in the apartment, have to move out. Go there was like a, a skateboarding hill. It was in like a apartment. skateboarding hill. So, like, I moved. Wait, where did you move I to? I moved to a temporary furnished apartment. Um, uh -huh. Like, I hope your building paid for that. Insurance did, thank God. Uh -huh. Um. Uh -huh. But right now, it like my all of my stuff has been moved out to fix these floors, and it's like a you know a cement like block like it is of an apartment. So it's he showed hollow. me photos so bleak, like and it's like New York is basically saying, and life is basically saying, like you're done, get out, you're done. <laughs> you made your choice, bitch. like get out, you're done. I know, yeah. but thankfully, yeah. like circumstance made it so David and I could be really cozy these last few weeks with yeah, like okay. working together, having rapid COVID tests together, and then being able to like go to the ballet in quotations every week. So, yeah. And you know, it's been so nice to reconnect in this yeah, way and okay. feel like comfy and warm and at home and watch, <laughs> watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We watched dances at a that gathering at the other night from the Royal Ballet. And then I looked over at the end. I was like, that was nice. And David was crying and it was sad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm I, still, I'm, honestly, I'm still just a fan of beautiful dance. Like, you know, 20 years in of this, of this career and this love, like I still love it so much. And I think that's what I'm going to Australia with. It's like, I just, I still want to be a part of it and I still love it. I love sitting down, whether it's digitally or live and like crying because what's, what's being performed is so beautiful, you know, and, yeah. and, or affecting or challenging or, you know, scary or funny or whatever it is. It's like, I just, it's, I still am so inspired by it. You know, that's why he looked over and I was like, oh God, it's so beautiful. <laughs> no, you weren't beautiful crying. It wasn't gross. It was just like tears coming down a 
placid face. <laughs> well, and I think that that inside of dance, or I mean, and certainly for myself, when I've interrogated why, as I do for anything I care about, um, the the truth of the body, and is it's just the body doesn't lie, and, and movement doesn't lie, Martha, and and this thing around these forms that I think we can absolutely have complex uh, feelings about uh, politically and structurally, um, it's, it can remain nuanced in terms of considering why, why we loved them when they were made and where can we go from there? Mm. Like, what can we build now? Um, I think I feel, in, instead of it just like, it's, I mean, the conversation of like, get rid of ballet. It's like, come on. I, <laughs> there's something more interesting inside of how to, what do you want to build with it, yeah. with what we have Are now? You? And I think that's where what's interesting about, especially with these things in terms of uh, places of intersectionality that I think ballet can incorporate more. Right. Are you allowed to talk to. about your programming for the first? No. Secret, secret, secret. Mm. NDAs, honey. <laughs> NDAs. Yeah, you'll get, she'll like walk out of her apartment on the way to the airport and someone will run by and like cut her upper thigh and she'll bleed Did you guys have a whole conversation about work. NDAs on, on one of the pods? Yeah, probably. There's been many times yeah. where we have oh, to I talk did. about NDAs. Yes, no, you did recently. Yeah, was, because I basically was like, how dare someone ask me to sign an Yeah, it was hilarious. Oh, you right. guys were yapping right. about like, the, the absurdness yeah, yeah. of NDAs. Can I tell you a funny... Well, I'm a real fan of an NDA, actually. I'm a real... I, I like. I love a secret, so <laughs> if someone's well, like, don't tell anyone, yeah, I'm so like... Well, Ooh. you love a secret when someone is like, we'll tell you if you sign this. And then you're I like, sure, that. I'll sign that. So scary. <laughs> I went, it's Jack, scary. I... Well, Reed is... The, go ahead. Oh, Reed, no, yes. it's it's unrelated. So you have to finish the thought. Well, the thought was just that Reed doesn't like anyone telling him what to do. <laughs> and I like people proposing something. <laughs> Propositions. I, I'm definitely into a proposal for me to be like, well, let me see how I feel about it. I mean, my Scorpio rising has only become like more and more... Uh, vehement. Um, what's your middle name, David? Bruce. Work. And I will say... Is that your dad's name? Yeah, it's my dad's name, but listen to the story of Bruce. This is a tie-in to Australia. That is such a 70s porn name. Yes, yeah, so listen. So, so if you can think of, like, the most hick name in American culture, like, what would it be? I don't know. Like, um, um, Peggy... Ray, Bobby Lynn, or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. The most hick name anyone can, a male can be called in Australia is Bruce. Oh. So oh, that's I've right. gotten so that's much right. shit in Australia. They're like, what's your middle name? And I'm like, Bruce. And instinctually, everyone starts laughing. <laughs> Tremendous. And I'm like, oh, well, good day, Bruce. They're like, oh, <laughs> Bruce. Oh. So anyway, so yeah. Do you do accent? Wow. And David, what's your mother's name? Colleen. 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 Not Colleen, but Colleen. Colleen. There's this really horrible game that this queen once played at a diner that I was at with these other queens (laughs) where he asked us all our mother's names and then for the rest of the meal called us by our mother's names for the meal. And it was... Like, um, you know, if you're a dragon and you have that one spot where there's not a scale, it was like that. 
it was really, I was, like, <laughs> you, I was like, you have to stop that. That's really gross. And he was like, Ooh, Dorothy's name? upset. Dorothy. Dorothy. I mean, Dorothy, honey, and Colleen is absolutely <laughs> like, I would watch that show. <laughs> I would absolutely be like, that's terrifying. What is this show about? It's about these three women named Dorothy, honey, and Colleen. <laughs> it's really like, because it goes from like kind of normal, but like very Wizard of Oz, okay, Dorothy, to honey, where it's like, oh, cute, like antique, like, you know, very, uh, very like at the golf <laughs> course somehow and Wait. to Colleen. Yes. Jack, Which was your like, mom what? blonde? My mother was brune. I mean, she was actually a brunette, but she <laughs> died at blonde. Which Jamie Devine has been insistent uh, that I dye my hair blonde for the last um, six years, and I well, have insisted that I will not. It is a way of kind of of Mm, creating some disorientation around gray hair is to have blonde hair. Sure. Well, I mean, Jamie's point was that I had, cause I had this nurse who was also Madonna's private nurse. And he was like, you have Madonna's eyes. And I was like, you have sh- like completely saved my life. <laughs> I'll remember that when I want to kill myself. And um, so every day and uh, I, and Jamie was like, you really do. So dye your hair blonde so that we can just have the full effect. And I was like, I can't do it, Jamie. That's psychotic. But, um, and I feel like the point is past. Like if I would have dyed it earlier when I was in her blonde ambition kind of time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. When but you who knows? Child? More will be revealed. <laughs> more, more will be revealed. More will be revealed. Um, David, have you ever dyed your hair? Oh, my, oh God. my God. This is a... <laughs> This is my favorite. Well, let re- let this David is tell the story. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> um, You're not going to believe this. I dyed I my hair wait. dark, dark brown because uh-huh. I didn't want to wear a wig for when I did Othello with oh, Lara wow. Lubavitch. He was Othello. I was Othello. What? And <laughs> wait, I dyed my Othello? hair. I was Othello and I Whoa. dyed my hair. Wow. I have to take the glasses off and rub my eyes really hard. I'm I'm pushing the palms of my hands so hard into my eyes right now. Yeah. (laughs) So the brown, the brown hair was a catastrophe. How did I look with? I didn't see it. Oh, you didn't see it. No, I just get to visualize. Was your scalp dyed black? I mean, what happened? And I would sweat like it would. It, it was so bad. Like I, Wait, I, David, was it like a wash-in that you just would do for the day? It was like semi-permanent. Like it lasted a couple of months. So I don't really, yeah. So It, it shouldn't have run down your hair hairline, girl. I like, just remember. You, I, I think yourself? when it's fresh, when it's I, fresh, that happens. I didn't do it, it myself. Doesn't. Um, it does not. Maybe I embellished. Rage. Maybe I did not. Maybe it was not running down. I like to scalp. imagine it running down your face. But... I'm sure you agree, but that doesn't happen. So no, that's um, the only time I've ever dyed my. Hair. And you did it yourself. You gotta like. No, I went to. A, I went to a salon. Yeah, then it definitely did not run down your face. That's not a chance in hell. I've only friends <laughs> dye their hair. That doesn't happen. But I love the idea. I really thought it was going to be that you dyed your hair for. Oh, I can't remember it. You know, it's the ballet where the guy's really like awful. I mean, that's so many. Wow, that just was like <laughs> ellipses. Um, 
it's that tragic story. You've loved doing this ballet. I feel like Giselle. No. Onyegin. Onyegin. Yes. I was like, did you dye your hair for Onyegin? No, 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 no. Well, he's sort of like Heath Cliffy, you know, broody. I would feel like. No, yeah, that's the only time I ever dyed my hair and I will never do it again. I wonder if it's going to get, it'll get snowy white, your hair, I imagine. One day. Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, I mean, you'll be like the Meryl Streep of ballet. You'll, uh, you'll be like, oh, pretty. And, like, cut to me. I'll be dyeing my hair red like Isabelle Pair by then. <laughs> I'm taking, like, a long drag off of a cigarette and being like, bonjour. And it's like, Jack, you're not French. Mm, d'accord. I've never, I've never dyed my hair. <laughs> You've never dyed your hair? No. Wow. I don't think it'll happen. Uh, I'm just well, going to let you it know, go gray. I read, I could really see you when we're older with you having like purple hair just cause Maybe. like just, just getting real unhinged. And then it's just Dorothy, honey and Colleen. I'm like, um, I like my hair lately, which is not always the case. Well, beautiful hair. end of thought. <laughs> I, you do have beautiful hair. It's very close to David. So that is a no, very mirror they're statement. Very, they're very, they're, I understand how people <laughs> would say such a thing, but my hair is, David's hair is dead hair. straight. Like, yeah. David's hair is absolutely feathers and reads yours does have some thickness to it. Yeah. David's hair is literally in the, in the, in the, I, well, in the thing that we'll see eventually. I think eventually. there's definitely like a place somewhere in the middle of like styling one's hair for ballet <laughs> that our hair can meet with the aid of a blow dryer. But like with the it, aid of a blow dryer, it's not and naturally the, the same. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Ballet dancers love oh that smell spray. of hairspray. Like I love. Feels like do no your yeah. do your hair and do your face so yeah. that it all stays eyebrows. in place. It's all about the eyebrows. <laughs> oh, what keep you it paint? in place. Yeah, because you know yeah. you're so white. Me too. Like when um, I got the, towards the end of being on in ballet shows, I would do as little makeup as possible, mm-hmm. so it would just be like the eyebrow. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, that's good enough. <laughs> it's true. You really were like, no, no, no. And I was like, um, more, more, more. <laughs> David, in these next, in these next two weeks, what are some of the highlights of the last sort of like strolling round? Um, you know, there, I guess there maybe are some leads. Oh, I'm going to add a tag onto that question. Leads. The tag on that question is in this strolling around, also go through kind of your favorite spots, favorite restaurants, and Joe Walsh wants to know what is your favorite color. Okay. I'll start with my favorite color. Okay. Um, my favorite color is like a, is like a medium gray. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the last, these last two weeks, um, and which pertains to the two weeks previous, I've really, um, which is typical. I've just seen the city for the beauty that it is. And it's, um, I'm like, I feel like a tourist again. I've never appreciated the city as much as now. I, I like when I got back from Melbourne and Jack, you can attest to this. I was like, the city is crazy. Like mm-hmm. it's loud. It's rude. <laughs> it's aggressive. Everyone's performing like, mm-hmm. and, and so I, my relationship with the city changed after I came back from Melbourne. But um, right now I'm just like, 
I'm, I'm really just walking around. I, I have a couple things that I really want to do that I've never done. One is closed. One I think is open. I've never been to the reading room at the New York Public Library oh. ever. Mm-hmm. And I've never been to the Statue of Liberty. And I want to get on a tourist boat and I want to, I want to boat around the Statue I of Liberty. I, oh, uh-huh. yeah. The library is probably not allowed right now. No, it's closed. Right. Um, um, did you ever have tea at the um, Morgan Library? No. I've never done that either. I'm so sorry. So when you ever come back sometime, we'll go and have tea at the Morgan Library. <laughs> really? I mean, you know, like, I did envision this farewell to the city, like, without a pandemic, like, farewell dinners, and, like, my last couple of nights at New York City Ballet, which are so magical as, a, as an audience member, you know, seeing some concerts at Carnegie, some last concerts at Carnegie. And I know, and, and really... I was slated to have a concert at Carnegie, and then it got canceled because of this. And it's yeah, just... Exactly. I mean, my God. It's, well, exactly. I still have the gowns, so that's so, Anyhow, go on. So, yeah, so I, and none of that is happening, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm really just still optimistic about like my last couple of, you know, whatevers. And for me, it's like, it all goes back to, I think, two things that make this city for me like so personal. One is my diner which is on 23rd. Right. And you love to read the newspaper, the New York Times and have some coffee and the newspaper pancakes, pancakes. Mm. So it's like, and I still have that ritual, you know, it's like, it's all about the Sunday times and the FT weekend and then my diner. And that's like, that will be, that will be a, a moment of like, okay, this is ending. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just, it's, yeah, it's all coming to a close. So well, weird. in this way, and you'll be back. In and, this way, and, totally. Like, who, who are the little queens to program? Um, <laughs> <laughs> who are the little queens I went up to pay to put in business? Um, <laughs> um, it's exciting, and I'm excited for you. And David, I mean it. When you get over there and you feel like you're losing your mind in the hotel room, absolutely, we can FaceTime because I'm a great queen to FaceTime for a liminal experience. <laughs> I am apps. I will, I can absolutely bring that for you. Um, real quick, David, what's your sign? Taurus. Beautiful, beautiful sign. I love that sign. That's Jeremy's sign as well. Why as, do you love um, that sign? Cause it's earth yeah, and I don't have any of that in my chart. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your rising? Do you know? No. Okay, so the other thing to do, David, is please send me your exact time of birth. Actually, maybe David and I together will contact the Departments of Vital Records to get our birth time so that we can send you our full chart. Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll work up your whole chart. Amazing. That would be great for quarantine. you You can also have that to brood over and think about the ways that's working and not working yeah, for not you. Yeah, not working. Isn't it sad that David yeah. and I weren't born on the same day? Wouldn't that just make the whole story complete? It would. It would. It would. Oh, also, if I just want to say, I'm going to go back to, I feel like what people have said or, or, or assumed of David and I that I, like, was his foray into the universe of like contemporary dance, which isn't true. David was already like on his journey before we met. I mean, before we met again, because truthfully we met when we were teens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We did. Yeah. 
Anyway, we also met when we were teens. We did in a, in a in a more substantial way. But David and I met when I came to audition for ABT Studio Company, and he was very kind and gregarious, and his skin looked terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I had horrible. Acne. But then I turned to my side as we were beginning bar, and he did a tondu side, and I literally in my mind said, "I won't be getting this job." <laughs> <laughs> Incredible! <laughs> when you were like fifteen. I won't be getting this job. And then I icily walked out of the studios and had a croissant. Well, it was um, crazy. And I feel like, uh, and, and it's true, actually. It is, it's been, it's David's interests. Um, your interests have always, I, I really have appreciated that. And I'm excited for you to move into being an artistic director with that. I think that'll be, that'll be really good. Um, Thanks. So congrats on that. I have to go because I have to go to work, back okay. into work, really. I think um, I might vote today. Well, you better work, honey. Oh, wow. Rory's coming out. The cow, she just, I'm sitting at this window and she just came out of her barn. I need to give her some treats before going back into work. I, uh, David, um, we'll read. obviously, I love you. David, I love you. Love you, and um, love you, uh, and other, we loves you. We loves you. Thank you for listening. And um, David, adieu. We bid you adieu. Adieu.